This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode, we speak to comedian Olga Koch about her sex education. Finally, someone's asking me. (laughs) Usually I just start talking about it, apropos of nothing. Coping mechanisms after a breakup. I made one of my ex-boyfriends out of cake, basically to scale, and then I ate the cake. And the significance of losing your virginity. I've been like a horny child my entire life. So the fact that I got to the age of 17 and I was still a virgin was a travesty. And that was the transition from me looking like a person who fucks to being a person who fucks. Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Digree Waite and I'm joined as ever by accredited sex and relationship therapist Kate Campbell. Hello mum. Hello Diggs. Every week mum and I give sex and relationships a good going over the guest and this week is no different. We're very glad to be joined by Olga Koch. We have a great chat with Olga coming up later but mum, mm. I sent you a BBC article this morning mm. about a certain YouTube superstar named Zoella. Yeah. Who is in a masturbation route with mm. an exam board. Uh, AQA, the exam board, have recently stopped linking to her content for a GCSE media studies course because there is a whole range of adult focused content on there. Like a list sex of... Sex toys. Yeah, like a list of the year's best sex toys. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this this has basically led to a bit of a conversation about when the right time to start talking honestly about sex, hasn't it, Mum? It's really annoying that they've stopped using her because... What they could be doing is doubling down on their interest in sex education. They could Mm -hmm. be saying to parents who've complained, which is apparently what has prompted all of this, they could be saying, but your children need to be educated and it isn't helping for them not to be. Mm -hmm. If you've decided as parents that the content is too old for them, you're you're wrong (laughs) because Mm. most sex education is coming too late for a lot of people. They've been looking at porn for years and Mm. that is not the way we want our new generations to be getting their sex education, really. The exam board is arguing that it isn't appropriate for us to ask children as young as 14 to study a website that includes sexual content aimed at adults. And, uh, but this why did view... they put it there in the first place then if they didn't think it was okay? That's what's interesting and that's what Zoella says. She's, she says, you know, they clearly didn't look at my stuff well enough because I've been doing this for years. I've covered such a wide range of topics. So they clearly didn't do their research. I think it's far better to come across this sort of content with a teacher present 
mm. and the the conversation that they're going to have rather than stumble across it by accident and think, oh, hello, what's this? It just, it's a problem because it's just denied. Once again, we're just putting it out of the curriculum, pretending it doesn't exist and we'll push it further down the line. If they say that 14-year-olds are too young to learn about it and 16-year-olds as well because it's a GCSE course, well, then when are they going to learn about it? 17 and 18? When it's too late. It's too late by that point. The implication in, in the article appeared to be that it was because it seemed to promote masturbation. Mm, Apart from the fact that this is going back to... And female pleasure, yes, Mm, it's all right for boys. mm, Goes back to the Dark Ages uh, again, where Mm. women aren't supposed to have pleasure, and if they do, they should wait until they're older. And what it's actually doing is promoting the idea of penis and vagina sex. The only kind of sex there is is intercourse. So Mm. actually, parents who phone up and complain or write letters and complain, you are encouraging your daughters to have intercourse at 14, rather than pleasure themselves at 14, which they're probably doing anyway. When I read this, this instantly came to my mind, Mm. is the first woman to come on our podcast, episode two, Jade Adams. Yes. One of the first things I asked her was what she wished she'd learnt in her sex ed at school. I wish a woman would have stood in front of a group of girls and told them how to orgasm. I wish someone, Mm. I, I wish we'd had a class where it was all girls and there was a woman and she came in and she told us all how to come. I wish I'd learned that mm. when I was 15. That was the first woman we had mm. on the podcast. The very first woman. And mm. that was within like seven minutes of the episode. Yeah. Like, I think, I think this is the thing. Female pleasure in sex ed is pushed down and it's not explored and things are addressed too late or not at all. And mm. I think this is another case of that happening. And clearly, as evidenced by that clip from Jade Adams... It's an important thing that women are coming away wishing they'd learned earlier. It's a shame once again that one or two people complain and instead of informing them and maybe giving some education to parents, Mm. everything's closed down. It's Mm. just such a shame. Sorry, girls. Amelia Jenkinson runs the School of Sexuality Education and Amelia said, from year seven, we might get questions from students like what's a vibrator and what's a dildo. Mm. These are the questions that pupils really want answered and it's important we don't shut that down and create a sense of shame. I think that's exactly right. Absolutely right, yeah. And later on, we'll have some questions just like that from you, the listeners, and we won't shut those down. We won't create a sense of shame, will we, Mum? No, we will not. No, we will have an accredited sex therapist answering them to the best of her ability. And she is very ability. (laughs) She is very able. All right, good. Time for our interview with Olga Koch, in which I began by asking her what her sex education was like. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful question. I've come prepared. So I was born and raised in Russia. And it's very interesting, like Russian attitudes towards sex are in some ways extremely conservative and like in the way that you can imagine it. But Mm. also because there's this huge hangover from the Soviet Union and the Soviet Union was decidedly aggressively non-religious. There's a lot of stuff that is sort of like integral to Western society that just doesn't exist in Russia. Like, for example, again, I moved from Russia when I was 13, 14, but I remember back when I was living there, there's not shame around abortion at all whatsoever. It's like Mm. readily available. And that's something that was available in the Soviet Union. Mm. 
yeah, it's it's weird because it's so like puritanical and conservative in ways like they're very not open minded towards homosexuality, obviously, mm. but then completely just like chill about, I don't know, the pale and birth control and stuff. Mm. Um, so it was a very conflicting uh, situation where we don't talk about it, but we're also quite practical about it. And I remember that I had absolutely nothing. I knew nothing about sex in school. Like there was like an anatomy lesson in biology and that's it. There was no. No, mm. no one talked to us about condoms nothing my mom gave me a book when i was about 13 and that's all i had oh what was the book what was in the book <laughs> so the book was um the book was just like some illustrations like she just gave it to me and i remember she was so embarrassed to give it to me like she wouldn't <laughs> look me in the eye she just sort of like gave me the book and walked away and i blushed and i laughed and i was like i don't need this i saw the movie titanic um <laughs> <laughs> i i know everything i need to know yeah um and then I remember leafing through it and it was just, it, it was just a lot of illustrations. I remember they like try it, and it like was trying to be whimsical about everything, but mm-hmm. then you can't really be whims- whimsical about HIV. So it was just odd to have like illustrations that were like, Hey, yeah. about something as like as heavy as, and for difficult to, for a child to understand. Um, you know, it's as- funny you should say that because previous people on, on this pod have said that their sex education included a little film with astronauts. Well, yeah, it's almost like the desexualization of sex education when they're like, it's astronauts and illustrations and a condom goes on a banana. And it's like, what is, what are you talking about? These kind of like amorphous ethereal concepts when they're so real life, they're to do with bodies that are sitting in this room right now. Also, speaking of spacesuits, what is a spacesuit if not a full body condom? Think about it. Well, um, real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I would have assumed if they would have a sex ed film full of astronauts, it would be in Russia because we're obsessed with space. Mm. Yeah. Mr. Trick, first person to get fingered in space. Um, so um, that's my goal. Oh, I thought you were saying that was you already. That's still that's Can still a imagine? goal for the future. Oh my goodness! <laughs> imagine <laughs> little girls would be looking up to me and saying <laughs> they they want to follow in my footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was fourteen, I moved here to the UK. But it's a very convoluted situation. Moved to the UK. I went to an American high school in the UK, which, again, is just absolute nonsense. Why would anyone do that? Wow. And in this American high school in the UK, it was also had like a religious edge. But the religious edge was we never had any like religious classes. But because my understanding is that like we were attached to a church and there was a lot of money in the church, we couldn't do anything that was like directly against the church. So it was like secular, but with a religious twist. So it would be like evolution. And then there would be like question mark in in parentheses, like a little cheeky, like, I don't know. Uh, and, And so... I just like the idea of like you just taught Darwin's theory of evolution and and all that stuff. And at the end of the class, the bell rings for lunch, and it's just like, but everything I've just taught you could all be fake, just a theory. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, out you go, out you go. Exactly, yeah. that's exactly what it was like. And yeah. so we had a sex ed person come in, like there was like a school assembly, everyone was there. Yeah. And clearly, this sex ed person didn't know there was this like religious edge to this, so it was. The whole thing was like very tongue in cheek, very her eyes were rolled the entire time. And she's like, you're not allowed to have sex, but if you were to have sex and then she would just do her little speech at the end of the if you were, Mm. but you wouldn't. It was just so surreal for us as kids. I mean, kids, 14, 15, Mm. sitting there being like, what is she trying to tell us? (laughs) (laughs) 
like it was the most conflicting thing of being like, no, no, no. The only way to avoid pregnancy is not to have sex. The next best thing that definitely doesn't work is wear a condom, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was just a, an absolute mind fuck, I would say. <laughs> so that shift from Russia to the UK and this bizarre American school <laughs> that also had this. <laughs> I mean, that is you're right. That is convoluted, but like this school sounds quite conservative as well so then maybe the shift wasn't that crazy or did you feel it just in general attitudes in the uk as opposed to russia that's i mean it's a good question i just feel like it's they were there's such different attitudes so in russia there's one attitude in the uk Mm. i think there's another attitude in the yes there's another and it felt like throughout my childhood i went through different stages and Mm. each of them made me paranoid about a different thing like for example i think in russia i was like obsessed with i guess like honor and sluttiness and then i remember when i moved to the u.s in the u.s the sex education in regards to stds is so aggressive Mm -hmm. i haven't heard of like gonorrhea or chlamydia or anything when i was in russia and in america my understanding again pseudoscience i have no idea what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about but my understanding is that like pharmaceutical companies are so strong in america that they like amp up stds like fear around herpes in europe versus fear around herpes in the u.s are night and day everybody in america is horrified of herpes and so like if in russia i was afraid to be called a slut in america i was afraid of herpes like every surface was potentially like herpes central like there's all these things where it's just like you're not sure about and it's like is every rash that i have on my pussy herpes Uh, don't answer Mm. that and so it's it's, (laughs) there's just all cultures are conservative in some ways the ways are just different and what did the, what were you afraid of in the uk what was the paranoia there what did we give you oh, that's a good question that's a really really good question we must have given you something but what are people in the uk afraid of wow um each other yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looking each other in the eye when having sex yeah, i think yes. what, what, what people are in the uk are just any any vocal acknowledgement of the fact that sex is being had while having sex yes mm. Yes, yes. That's why you know, when, when, the idea of dirty talk, like that's just not, that can't happen. That's insane. British men also are horrified of coming. Every single one just what? is horrid. Once they do, they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> is that because, but is that because I feel like whenever they've come, whether it's, you know, within a minute or within an hour, they're like, oh, it's too soon. I should, you know, I should, it's too soon. They weren't ready. I wasn't ready. I should have been able to go until next Wednesday. <laughs> You mentioned losing your virginity when you went to college. How was <laughs> how was how was becoming a How big a, was his dick? Okay. How big was it? That's all <laughs> I want to know. That's what I want to know right now. I know, how was how was shifting from the various backgrounds that you had? What was the transition like to becoming sort of sexually active? Okay, so I I won't say that my experience is universal. I will say that mm. my experience is an experience that definitely exists and needs to be talked about. I was desperate to lose my virginity in high school. It Mm. it felt like I had a mark on my forehead and I needed to get rid of it. I needed to scrub it off because I have always been a very like sexual girl in that like I would make sex jokes all the time. I would love watching sex comedies. Like I was a class clown and it would always be like very sexual. I've been like a horny child my entire life. So the fact (laughs) that I got to the age of 17 and I was still a virgin was a travesty to the point where it's like it didn't fit with who I was. It was like it just didn't make sense. It was it didn't fit into the personality that I've built for myself. 
And so when I was, when I arrived at university, I was like first week, I was like, we gotta, we gotta take care of this. There's absolutely no way that I will continue being a virgin. Yeah. It was just like, it was a branding that I had to scrub off of myself. And then when you eventually had sex, did you feel that the branding had been taken off? Did you feel this like euphoria or? It it was, God, I wish it was that. It wasn't euphoria. It was like. Oh god! It was like when you lie on your resume and it's like technically true, or you like try and make it true in retrospect. Like that's how it felt. It felt like like I never said I've had sex. You just implied it. I never corrected you. And like that's the area that I was living in. And then I finally was like, okay, well, all these people that I told I wasn't a virgin to in the last year, I'm officially not a virgin. So it's fine. So yes, yeah, so they're not lies anymore. Technically, exactly. It's fine. <sighs> I don't know if this is relatable, but this was the mental fortress that I've built for myself. I think that is relatable. I think we've had people on the podcast already who said that, yeah, they built up this massive thing in their head. Because I think virginity is a big deal, even though it's like kind of made up, like it doesn't really mean anything. But you do just, it's just this rite of passage that we place so much uh, weight on. Yes. And I think I agree with you. It's just the way that is portrayed in the media a lot of the time that it's like it has to do with like it being special or something. I don't look back at that night ever. It doesn't, Mm. and like, it doesn't mean anything to me. What meant a lot to me was that I was portraying myself to the outside world as a person who fucks. And (laughs) I needed that to become true. Uh, And that, that was the transition from me looking like a person who fucks to being a person. who fucks. Do, Do you think you've been properly prepared for the experience though? through you know either your formal sex education or just your life that i mean that's i i guess that's a good question i feel like i feel like what was really important to me and in retrospect having gone through like a huge feminist journey with me too and everything happening mm. and kind of coming into my own and realizing what it is that i want or something that i was influenced by the outside world to want what i would tell myself now is I would have really wanted to want to have sex in that moment. I didn't want Mm. to be pressured. I didn't Mm. want to be doing something because I felt like I had to. And in that moment, I can like hand in my heart, say, I really wanted it. And that is (laughs) the thing that I'm, I'm like, I'm happy and content with. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just in terms of your virginity and that thing, I'm just wondering then if it was, if that wasn't so brilliant, where your love of teenagers came from. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you haven't just said this once you've said this in a few places including you sung a song uh, an entire song about it I would implore people to check it out it's brilliant hell yeah Um, so I'm just wondering if that didn't come from uh, college where did it come from okay so I'll tell you how this started yeah at the age of 23 24 Mm. I dated a guy who was 19 and so I have very meticulously built my life and persona and comedy persona as a person who's in charge. And I think mm. like even the anecdote about me losing my virginity, it was important that I was in control. I was like, we're going to do this. And we did it. And then I was like, mm. yes. So I was in control of the narrative. I felt like I was in power. And I felt like, again, I'm not talking about like domination, but it's yeah. just something that like to have a lot of authority and to kind of like self-determination. And so it was like a fun thing to be like, oh my God, I'm dating a younger guy. And like, I buy him little treats and <laughs> he just like walks around and he like thinks that everything I say is so funny and clever and cool. I was like, oh, this is super fun to talk about because the dynamic has flipped because we see so many older men dating younger mm-hmm. women. What is it like to be like, oh, well, I have a boy toy. I will mm-hmm. say that when I was 23, 24, talking about it was like fine because at the end 
end of the day, we were like four years apart. It's really mm. not a big deal. When it comes back to me when I'm 28, it's a bit creepier. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do feel the need to tell everyone that I don't date teenagers anymore. One of the reasons was being, of course, like the power dynamic started becoming creepy. And I also decided that I wanted to start enjoying sex. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. I am very sorry about you being reminded of it constantly. I mean, how does it compare to people bringing up the fact that you ate your ex-boyfriend out of cake oh my <laughs> goodness I'm, that's what i've uh, also got written down this is this is just a walk down memory lane yeah it really is so i will explain what that is please do there's a video on the internet called olga has her cake and it's a funny little mockumentary about how i made one of my ex-boyfriends out of cake basically to scale and then i ate the cake <laughs> uh hilarity ensues indeed Again, this is going to be a really pompous explanation, but at the time I was very into feminist literature. I was also into contemporary artists, uh, specifically Sophie Cal. And I love how Sophie Cal essentially owns her vulnerability. I'm also just obsessed with women being shamed for like being vulnerable or clingy or obsessive. And then I'm obsessed with women who take ownership of that obsession and vulnerability and clinginess women who are like i am crazy i am clingy i am obsessive what the fuck are you gonna do about it and mm -hmm. i mean even someone like you ought to know by alanis morissette is the anthem to that be like is she perverted like me will she go down on you in a theater the idea that like i don't care if you think that i'm obsessed i don't care if you think that i'm clingy you can't shame me i feel what i feel and i'm taking ownership of that and i was just mesmerized by these women because i for all of my teens and my entire life has spent my life being like the cool girl trying to be chill trying to be one of the boys trying to be laid back being like i don't care i don't give a shit and it was so sobering and inspiring to see all these cool women being like i do care what are you going to do about it i am obsessed what are you going to do about it and so it felt so almost liberating to be like i am obsessed i'm obsessed to the point where i'll make you out of cake and i'll eat you and i don't care if you say i'm obsessed and i don't care if you say i'm clingy because at the end of the day this pressure to act chill and laid back is just internalized misogyny and acknowledgement of the patriarchy and fuck that thank you Oh wow. wow. I feel like we should have yes, exactly. Applause. Yeah. I mean it's not as pompous as I've just made it out to be. Oh, it really is a woman just eating an in just a baking a man out of cake, eating his eclair, um his eclair penis, and uh, and shoving the rest of his legs in your face. And you donated the torso uh to a local school, is that right? You couldn't quite finish the Where cake. did you get that information? I don't even remember where I put that information. Hey, look, I you're the guest. I I've got, genuinely I've got a have no idea where you got that <laughs> is that right it is true yeah because it was like a huge sheet cake and i was like i can't i can't do <laughs> yeah. this and you're like it's only the torso nothing weird is going on here this is fine just eat my ex out of cake please <laughs> hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Did you have like a, a really important piece of 
sex education maybe or anything like that that you took forward anything that was most effective when you became sexually active Ooh, that's an excellent question it will be a long answer oh good that won't make a lot of sense so if i watch the movie now it will probably be really cringy and problematic but at the time it really helped and i don't want to rewatch it because i don't want to see all the holes and problems with it mm. the movie is called chasing amy and it's crazy because it's like it's a film by kevin smith who made like mall rats and like all yeah. these films where you're like what why and then this is like i suppose the most intellectual one that he's ever made and it's called chasing mm. amy and it's kind of based on his own experience and it's about this guy who dates a lesbian um and the lesbian is like you're the first man i've ever dated and he's mm. like very excited by it but then the second he finds out that she's actually has had sex with men in the past he starts slut shaming her and this idea mm. that he was like really excited and like even turned on by the idea of the fact that she had sex with all these women before but then the second there was a man he started slut shaming her and mm. also the idea that like this like power trip that he had from like flipping a lesbian and i remember watching it and it's just absolutely blowing my mind because obviously like in the end he's the bad guy which is great mm. <laughs> oh always on board with that <laughs> um and so i think th that as like i watched it when i was maybe 18 19 and just being like oh all of this is completely made up there are no rules it's all arbitrary mm. the idea that like having sex with some people is fine and the other makes you a slut that's just made up none of that mm. is true none of it is factual none of this is backed by science you can't like check it in a lab nothing happens there's no laws against this it's really just something that someone made up and now feels emboldened to act out in life when in reality it's all just fucking imaginary yeah one of the things that i would also change about my sex education and everybody's sex education mm. is apart from obviously opening it outside of just being straight people having straight sex mm. opening it to all sexual orientations that's extremely important because mm. Obviously, it's very confusing and alienating for people who want to have sex other than straight sex. And also, if you're not exposed to it, you don't know that you like it. Mm. Like, I think the fact that I, as a kid, basically was only ever exposed to man dominating woman in bed as the only power dynamic that existed mm. meant that I was like, I guess I want that because that's the only thing I've ever seen. And so the fact mm. that like... Even pegging coming into the mainstream recently is so exciting because I genuinely didn't know about pegging until someone told me about pegging. And mm. once I saw it, I was like, oh, that's cool. And so, so much about sex has to do with like knowing that it's an option. Mm. Some of this stuff is never going to occur to you. You need to be told, be like, yeah, this exists and it's cool and it's normal and you should try it. So mm. not only would I open up like who's having sex, but also how they're having it. And mm. that would be very, very exciting to, for me as a kid to have known about and not to find out as an old 28 year old woman um and also it's just yeah it's just exciting to be to be exposed to more of a bigger variety of sexual dynamics other than man pins woman to a wall um mm. And that's like all I see on TikTok, which makes me really upset because I'm like, this is fine, but give me other stuff too. This is not the only thing that exists. How do you manage to get sex against the wall on TikTok? Because all I get is people eating beetroot and squeezing spots. <laughs> <laughs> I keep not liking it and it keeps coming back. I've never had any sex against the wall on TikTok at all. It's just so sad. Mum, you don't want that. Please don't tell me you want that. <laughs> Make a change from the beetroot and spots. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the wrong part of TikTok. Maybe like I'm only seeing that like 
male doms TikTok, but I hate it. Like, do it fine. Do it in the privacy of your own room. But it's like nerdy, like seventeen-year-old boys pretending to choke <sighs> girls and oh, like fedoras. God, no, it's so it's so cringe. Oh, oh, don't want that. Yesterday, I got an account that was like a Disney weight loss account, and I was like, I can't what? believe this is what this is what people think I am. <laughs> this is the bucket oh, that that the advertisers have put me in. Disney weight, <laughs> and it's like a woman counting her steps while walking around Disneyland. You're kidding. That's <laughs> oh hilarious. My God. Do you know what? That actually sounds... Mum, I know, I know you'd like that, man, wouldn't you? Well, actually, yeah. yeah. You're a big Disney World fan, so you'd love that. Yeah, yeah. why don't yeah. I get that? You'd love that. Yeah. Instead of pimples. You yeah. guys should swap phones. I think that's the we only should. way. We should. And I love beetroot. I'm Russian. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, of course. Are, of course. It was funny as well what you were saying before about pegging. <laughs> Just to quickly switch that back. Because Hello. I also sense that happening. And again, I feel like it's also on TikTok. There's a lot of videos about pegging on TikTok and stuff. And I saw it the other day, someone doing a genuine post being like, guys, this whole pegging thing, do you think that this is all a joke or are people actually into that? Because I think I'm into that. And I, just, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, is this a joke? Okay, pegging has been happening for ages for like as long as the history of time since people found out they have prostates but what i mean is is it going to be shot more into the mainstream and more and more people going to be doing it the yeah. moment? because i feel like that's what i'm understanding and that's what i'm hearing well you'd think yeah so, definitely you? it takes a while to change a habit but if you keep talking about it it sounds as if it's in the mainstream even if it's not i think i think the the biggest lie that we are told and the biggest cognitive dissonance about sex is the idea that like you like what you like and you're born with it and it's like no mm. we are constantly shaped by the outside world people who are found attractive is because advertising keeps putting them mm. on billboards and covers mm. of magazines so the idea that like you were born with this specific kink like yeah sometimes that's true but a lot of the time it's like you stumbled upon it on like mm-hmm. a late night session on Pornhub and you're like huh, <laughs> feet okay um, so yeah. I think desire is malleable and it is shaped by media constantly so I truly believe that any power dynamic can become popular if we're just exposed to it have you tried Peggy? me yes obviously I wouldn't just like God, say I, it out of I knew you'd be perfect for this podcast <laughs> I wasn't just gonna say, just say that it's fun without having Come on, guys. I do my field research. Now you're making me want to do it for research. You gotta. Right? I mean, I'm not a proper producer presenter guy unless i do this stuff too yeah, but you, you know when couple you get straight couples coming and talking about anal intercourse and and i often say to the guy right so we're going to try try some pegging first so you know what it's like before mm. you and they go what oh i don't want to do it oh no oh no no it's hard no i mm. don't want to do it Which i think is, i genuinely yeah. i'm I, that's exactly what i'm thinking i'm like if you're not prepared to be pegged then you should not be prepared to do anal i think that's yeah. fair enough yeah. and yeah. which one has a prostate up their butt that's that's well, my precisely. question exactly so that's what yeah. i'm saying peg me maybe <laughs> no yes yes oh my god you're you're like kombucha girl you're like ah. <laughs> 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 olga at the end of each episode we like to ask our guests how was it for you and was it good for you too <laughs> That's so good. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I've loved every minute of it. It's really humbling to be around actual sex experts. Sex experts. I am (laughs) definitely. I yeah. I'm definitely not a sex expert on any level. It's been great to have you on the show. It's brilliant. It's really, really interesting. One of the things about this show is we want to try and give people, you know, actionable sex advice. So, if there's anything from our chat today that you that you could like sum up 
or give one piece of advice, what would it be for people going forward? Oh, God. Do what you want, but make sure it's actually what you want. Oh, I like that. Excellent advice. Deep. Yes. And try pegging. Why not? Fine. Excellent. Olga, thank you so much again. Thank you very, very, very much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries to podcastahatch.com. It's the mailbag. Send Kate your queries. Podcastahatch.com. Hello there. I have a query for Kate. I would like to know when the real sex education mailbag starts. The real sex education mailbag starts right now. Thank you. Thank you so much again to Olga. That was such a, such a good chat. It was brilliant. Right, now it's time for some of the questions that you sent in to us via email, podcasts at hatchet.com or using the hashtag, hashtag RealSexEDU. And whilst we're on the subject, why don't you follow us on Twitter as well? We now have a Twitter account. It's at RealSexEdPod. So check that out and give us a follow as well. And obviously, if you have any questions, like the ones we've got coming up, you can DM them to us now as our DMs are open. Right. The first question is from Amelia, who says, I'm 20 weeks pregnant and so horny, but my husband doesn't want to have sex because he's scared he'll hurt the baby. What do I do? Oh, well, talk to him about this. Get him to listen to this podcast Mm. because it's normal to feel more horny during pregnancy some people feel less some people feel more horny and for some people orgasms are easier to achieve and they just generally feel a lot more sexy and relaxed Mm. so nothing bad can happen there's no way that, that you can harm the baby unless you've been told not to have sex by a medical professional there's no problem at all. How do we allay the fears then of the husband? Well, reassure him of this. And I think if you Google anything at all about it, about pregnancy or talk to the midwife, then you'll discover that there really isn't an issue with with sex in pregnancy. It's fun. Mm. It's common. And it's equally, there isn't a problem with people who don't feel horny. I mean, if he's absolutely worried sick and really, really won't have sex then you're left to your own devices but actually the chances are if he's reassured he'll feel better but on the whole there's no reason not to have intercourse if you want to or any Mm. other kind of sex really Mm. and are there any um let's say for intercourse are there any sort of positions that would be extra safe well no they wouldn't be extra safe but they might be more comfortable and Mm. so at 20 weeks there probably isn't a problem with any position at the moment but once she gets bigger then problems may develop in terms of it being very uncomfortable obviously you don't want to lie on the bump So sometimes Mm. it's more comfortable for the woman to be on top once she gets bigger, although, you know, she might not have much energy at that point Mm. if she's bouncing around. Um, Sometimes (laughs) kneeling on pillows can be very helpful for a kind of Mm. doggy position. But again, you've got to be really careful when I say kneeling on pillows, you're not that you're not putting pressure on the baby. And also you want fairly shallow thrusts probably would be more comfortable and Mm. lying side by side is very comfortable and you can also again put cushions under the bump so side by side with your left knee up or your right knee up whichever is on the outside sort of bent can be very very comfortable as well if you're really big but if once the head engages intercourse can be quite uncomfortable for some people so um, maybe then you wouldn't want to but unless you've been told by a professional not to 
then it is safe. Yeah. The baby will be okay. Yeah. Just take it slow and easy and, and work with what's comfortable. Yeah, because the, the baby's bouncing around in a little in a little sack. Mm. And um, and so it won't know what you're doing, and it can't it can't feel it, or or it's not going to stick a hand out and say hello. Oh, um, oh my word! <laughs> people have all sorts of fantasies about that sort of yeah. thing happening, but it it just doesn't. Yeah, and it won't know what's going on. So don't worry, AQA or any other exam board. You don't have to no. get rid of this. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Well, the yeah. next question is from Anonymous, who says, I have an embarrassing problem that when I'm aroused, some fluid comes out of my penis. Sometimes are worse than others, but this can be embarrassing. Should I be concerned? Mum, is that an open and shut case? Oh, In my head, that's just pre-cum. Uh, right. OK, Diggs, t- t- you, you answer the question. So I have it on good authority. <laughs> <laughs> That there is something there is something called the prostate, which is a gland that excretes a liquid that sort of keeps the tubes connected from your testicles to the end of your penis. Wow, this uh, is getting technical. <laughs> uh, it's keeping them lubricated because obviously you're not coming all the time. Well, most of us aren't. So otherwise it would dry up. So it keeps them lubricated. I don't know what the word is for that, but I, I, we call it pre-cum because then when you get uh, when you do get aroused some of that lubricant comes out of the end of your penis. And so that's what I imagine is happening here. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, well, well, the pre-cum comes from the cowper's glands, which are in the same vicinity as the prostate. And what they do is do some lubrication. And also, actually, they're a little antiseptic. They're sort of mm. cleaning. But mm. they do sometimes contain semen. So you do, if, mm. if you're producing a lot of this, then you need to be a little bit careful mm. if you're not using contraception or put on a condom as early as possible if it's starting mm. to appear early on in your lovemaking before you could get on your hands or get near to your mm. partner. And it says, when I'm aroused, some fluid comes out of my Sometimes are worse than others and it can be embarrassing. Is there any reason why more or less would come out? No, sometimes it's to do with how recently you've ejaculated or maybe how aroused you are, obviously, if you're very yeah. aroused. And I'm imagining that this person is concerned about staining clothes and things like this. But mm-hmm. it may be that they're concerned about it happening at all. But as you say, it's normal and mm. it's not something that you should be worried about at all. The only time you should be worried is if it smells, if it's an unusual colour, not normal mm. for you or there's pain associated with it, something like that. Yeah, and and if it's happening when you're not aroused mm. and it, you've never been aroused, because then, then I think you're, it might, something might be leaking when it shouldn't be. Yes, yes, yeah. quite, yes, mm. absolutely. Excellent. Well, that's it then. Series two has reached its climax, Mum. Oh, what a way to end. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you so much if you've listened to all 10 episodes and the bonus ones as well. Hopefully, we'll have more for you very soon. Um, Thank you to Olga and all of the guests this series. They've all been absolutely brilliant. A big thank you to Hattrick Podcasts, specifically Claire and Andy. Thank you guys for what you do in making this podcast. Yeah, what it is. We really appreciate it. Mum, last but not least, 
Thank you for your company, your humour and your wisdom. Oh, thank you, Diggs, for being Diggs. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. If you want more from us, you can follow us on Twitter. Once again, it's at RealSexEdPod, and you can be kept up to date with what we're up to there. You can also listen to the whole back catalogue of the podcast, Series 1 and Series 2. If there's episodes you miss, you can go back and listen to them there. And make sure you're subscribed to us or following us wherever you're listening to this podcast now so you don't miss out when we release Series 3. See you then for some more real sex education. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Gamble. The show is produced by Diggory Waite, and the executive producer is Andy Goddard. The Real Sex Education is a hat-trick podcast. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Diggory does wish his mother was played by Gillian Anderson. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.